0: Welcome to the show today, Steven Turner. Steve is currently the Chief Operating Officer of Beyond Resilience, LLC, and holds the prestigious position of President of Flow Business Solutions. His career journey is a testament to the profound impact of compassionate leadership and the unwavering belief that people are the common thread to enhancing business effectiveness. Steve's remarkable career began at the University of Wisconsin, where he earned a degree in business administration. His early appreciation and respect for UPS Where he was a part of the management team while attending college set the stage for his extraordinary leadership journey with 34 years of experience at ups steve demonstrated exceptional leadership in diverse fields including operations finance and accounting and technology at both district and corporate levels his global exposure particularly during ups's expansion into europe underscores a critical truth cultures may vary but the essence of humanity remains constant Throughout his journey, Steve's core philosophy emerged, employees should be led, not managed. His dedication to understanding the individual lives of his team members, training them for success and appreciating their unique qualities consistently yielded exceptional results in every rule he undertook. Today, we have the privilege of delving into his wealth of leadership, wisdom, and experiences. Welcome, Steven Turner, as we explore the transformative power of genuine leadership in the world of business. You are listening to Disruptive Minds Podcast, home of the entrepreneur.
1: I was on the management team there after I'd been at the company for a year. So that when I started, I was 20 years old and I was 34 years at UPS. Had a great time. I learned a lot. And, um, one of the important things I think of uh, of my philosophy is that when I started at 20 years old, and I'll make this very short, I the people reporting to me were going to be older than I was when I got started. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came to the conclusion really quickly that I had to basically treat these older people like I'd like to be treated. When I say older, it's like one in two years only. But at that age, in the 20 to 22 age, that's a big deal. And um, so that's really how I got started. And it carried me along all the way through. So then I took an early retirement from UPS and uh, we started. I work with UPS
0: all the time. And, you know, they have a wide array of services at this point. Like they're even in banking now. So it's, it's amazing, you know, the reach and the breadth. That they have been able to accomplish. So the question I had for you next is, what is so challenging about scaling and why do businesses seem to struggle with this?
1: Well, I think um, one of the biggest things is uh, surprises. Things happen that we don't anticipate. Uh, when we first get started with the business, we should have a business plan that basically takes us initially on our journey. And we identify, okay, we expect the business to do this. It's going to take this these cost elements. It'll generate X revenue, et cetera. And all of a sudden, something happens that we're not expecting. And one of them can be explosive growth at the beginning. So when we run into those situations, we tend to, we can have a tendency to panic because that's not what my plan says. So um, the... The process of, of handling that stuff really uh, is uh, keeping ourselves grounded in what we know and what we expected, and then adjust our expectations uh, to meet reality. And one thing, when businesses grow quickly, everything changes at the same time. So instead of this ramp up to uh, expectations, it's kind of catapults into the expectations. and. Um, I am a very strong proponent of the value of our employees and I think that when we treat our employees correctly, and uh, we can talk about this as we go along in this conversation, but the impact of scaling on employees is largely overlooked and can get organizations that started off strongly uh, in trouble quickly. So, but... To me, it's it's the surprises. Number one is the surprises. Number two, the leader hasn't identified their own limitations yet because entrepreneurs get started. They've got a great idea. They're all fired up to get it done, and it's all good stuff, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the emotion and the energy to get the thing running and uh, keep it going with an expectation of success. But if we don't realize what our own limitations are, we may try to take on challenges that really are not my our bread and butter. For I'll give you an example. I am not a marketing person. So when it comes to a need to add marketing or change the approach or whatever, um, I need to get help from somebody else. That's not my forte. I can handle all the employee things. I can handle the business planning. I can uh, manage revenue. I can do all those things, but marketing isn't my thing. So I have to get help with that. And um, every business leader has limitations and they need to know what they are when they get started so they can recognize when they need to do something different. And um, so, and there's there's a couple other things about um, startups. Cost structures tend to go up in steps. The revenue goes up on a slope for the most part. So as the business grows and we realize that we need to Add perhaps as inventory, or we need to add more PCs, or we need to add another building, or whatever the world it might be. Those costs are incremental. So they jump up in an instant, and the revenue goes up on a slope. Now, it would be nice if we could stay, let the revenue slope go uh, faster than the cost steps. That's pretty challenging because lots of our cost things are because of expectations and revenue. But we just need to keep that in mind, and then as a result of it, you're into a cash flow scenario because when it comes to small business, and you know, everybody's, everybody's heard this one place or another the lifeblood of a small business is not PL, it's cash flow because you can have great PL and no cash, and that is a recipe for disaster. So, when a business owner puts together a business plan so they can track their P l but they're also going to have to consider the cash flow implications of their decisions as well and they are different the impacts differently. so those are good areas to have uh, if you don't have expertise there you know get somebody involved that uh, that does and um, when you want to get into it and I is to talk about the importance of employees in business all the time. Yeah, I,
0: I, I was thinking about when you were talking about unexpected challenges and how things might not go according to plan. The thing yeah. that popped into my head right away was the idea of levers, right? Like As a business owner, it's important to identify the levers at your disposal, the things you can do, the actions that you have, because the old adage is control what you can control, right? You can only control things that are within your realm of control and if you are able to identify ahead of time what options you have and what things you can adjust for it can help you when a challenge you know shows up it's like you said when you identify maybe you have a weakness in marketing well it might be a good thing to know we can hire this person or we can bring on this agency or you know we can do this thing or that thing at least know what your options are before you deal with the issue in real time, because marketing might not be something you're too worried about until, you know, three, four months into your business's journey, but it is definitely something that you should be aware of how to handle and navigate in that space, especially when that challenge unexpectedly appears.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what, I I think you nailed down what some of the common obstacles are that business owners face when they scale, but how can business owners kind of get over some of these hurdles, right? How can business owners be better prepared? Uh, What's some tips and tricks they can use to make scaling a little less painful, whether it's for them, for their employees, how can we adjust to, a rapid increase in temperature in the business environment?
1: I think one of the most important places is uh, our employees because this is the way a business tends to go. And that they, they all go this way to one degree or another. A business starts small. I mean, Microsoft started in a garage, our business here started in the basement of our house. Okay? And at a point in time when the business starts to grow, we start to add employees. And when those employees are added, uh, the first five or six probably, uh, they work side-by-side with the owner because it's the owner's baby, and he or she is doing whatever they can do to make sure they support the business. And when the time comes that he he or she needs help, then they bring in their employees, but they work side-by-side for the most part. So the relationships between the owner and that first group of people are pretty strong because of the cooperation that they have to have. When the business gets to the point where maybe there's five or six employees, uh, it's natural that the owner has to step back a little bit so that the owner can do what he he or she needs to do and turn the business and turn the day-to-day business over to one of those employees and they become a manager of the employees. And you pick the right person, And that person takes over the day-to-day, and now the owner steps back a little bit. But at this point in time, the owner is probably still hiring people. So the owner can bring in the type of people that they want. Now, one of the things when you hire employees in a small business, it's very important that uh, the manager, or excuse me, the owner, hires people and explains to them up front, this is a small business business. We have to be willing to roll up our sleeves regardless of what happens. So that small business owners do not hire employees in silos. And I've seen this, it's, it's painful and unnecessary. So when we hire our people, we gotta tell them, I've done this every single time that I explain, this is what we're hiring you for, but this is a small business and we need to do everything every day. So are you willing to do something else? Yes. Okay, good. As long as I say yes to that question, I'm good. So anyway, so the employees come in, you got one manager. As the business grows, we add more employees. And then when you get to about 12, you're going to have a second manager in there. Because of the, the manager-employee ratio has got to be in the area of six to eight, uh, depending on you know the specific business. But that, that's pretty close. Well, now... Once multiple managers are coming in, it's quite possible that the owner is gonna turn over the hiring to those individual managers for their individual groups. And then that's the first place we have a potential problem because the manager is gonna hire people under a manager mentality, the owner hires people under an owner mentality. The relationship then between the people hired under the manager scenario can be different than the first set, not intentional, it's just a result of the beast, I guess you could say. So, and let's say that goes well. Okay, good. Business grows, gets to about 50 people. Now you going to have another layer of management in there. And what's happening during this time is that first core group of people that the owner hired is now becoming more and more withdrawn from the owner. So, the, the and this is the, the point I'm leading up to. That first set of employees that knows everything, they're experts at this point one of the reasons they're experts is because of the relationship they had with the owner. Now the owner steps back and that relationship is broken. Again, not intentional. But it has an impact on those people because now they're not gonna feel quite as important. So now, this is why I'm always surprised that small businesses all start out this way. And when you go into corporate America and you get into the larger organizations, you run into the fact that there's a statistic out there that says 85% of employees are not fully engaged in their work, which is a whole other issue we're not gonna talk about here today. But the point is, how did did this group of people who was working so well together, all of a sudden have 85% of their people not fully engaged in their work? It's because of this transition period. So every single management person that's brought into the business needs the training by the owner that teaches the management person how to lead people at an individual level. And if they're good at that, they're they're gonna have great relationships with their people because the common thread through any business at any time, whether you change products, change services, change the timing of things, the common thread is people. And as long as the management team has a good relationship an understanding relationship with the employees, which really comes down to knowing the employees as an individual as opposed to just an employee, those employees will follow the leader. And then the transitions that, that the business go through, the employees will support the transition because they realize they're part of the journey and they haven't been forgotten along the way. Now, right. I've seen this happen. And um, I, now I initially I saw it in the corporate world, but UPS was very good at transitioning their business at the right time so we and we all knew it ups is also a great place as far as employee engagement but they're more the exception than the rule so business owners need to protect their environment and their relationships with their people no matter how big the uh, organization gets
0: yeah i i agree with everything but i was kind of thinking about what happens when somebody used to be a good fit for a role Or now the role has grown or expanded or even shrank, right? Like we talk about these employees that were working hand in hand with the owner. They know everything. And now all of a sudden they might just be the uh, head of receiving. How do you deal with managing this growing org chart, right? Where we're adding all these people, people are getting shifted around. How do you go about dodging the landmines of, hurt personalities uh people not actively fitting a role and how do you make sure that you're organizing and optimizing this in the way that makes the most sense for your business
1: the key to all of the the key to the answer to all of your pieces of your question comes down to the relationships you have with your people and let me explain it from um let's take one employee because you, you can look at one employee that applies to everybody You bring somebody into the business on day one, our objective is always to develop people as individuals so they can accomplish their personal goals as well as the business goals. The only way the owner knows or a manager as the business grows is to have continual, timely communication with the employee. So let's take somebody that's hired on day one. Okay, they come in the door, employees have five basic needs. The first one is that they wanna be a member of a team. So on the first day that someone walks in the door, the very first thing we need to explain to them is where they fit in the big picture with everybody in the organization, whether there's three more people or 30 more, where that person fits in the organization and the importance of their role. So that now when they start to learn the role, they can see where they are in the big picture and they will understand the importance of their success. So once an employee becomes well-trained in the role they were hired for, the owner should then have, or the manager, whatever, should have a conversation with that employee that basically says something like this. You're off to a great start. And um, I'm just curious, I'm gonna ask you, where do you, what would you like to be doing in three years? And there's a really good chance that they're gonna get the deer in the headlights look, because no one's ever asked them the question before. When they don't have an answer, you know, we say that's okay, fine. We'll get we'll we'll touch base in a couple of weeks. So two weeks later, ask the same question again. Now there's an answer. See, the minute the the owner or the manager asks the question, the employee knows that that person, the manager, is interested in their well-being as an individual, not just somebody filling a role in a business. And that's pretty inspiring. So now what's going to happen is the employee should get to the point of, of um, point number two on their needs is to be well-trained so they can be successful. The third one is to have an understanding that they have the ability to do more. And that usually comes from the conversation with, with the leader. So when they feel that, hey, I you know, I've got the ability here to do more than what I'm doing today, that's the third one, the ability to grow and the ability to Continue to grow in the organization, which goes back to your question as people's roles. When you get into the conversation, what would you like to do? Out of that conversation is going to come what that person would like to do. And you're going to naturally match that to what your expectations are and the people we need as time goes on. And if I know at some point in time I'm going to need a graphic artist for some reason, and someone says, I'd love to be a graphic artist and put the picture of the business on the business in a picture. I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's a potential person for that future role. So this whole process continues through the employee's entire life. Now, the, the timing of these get-togethers, uh, reviews, um, it's they stretch over time. You might talk to somebody every two weeks when they first get started. You'll get to be monthly, every three months, whatever, and no more than six. Absolutely no more than six. So, but in each of these reviews, there's a conversation of where do you wanna go next? What would you like to do next? So I am spurring their personal uh, understanding that I care about them personally. And at the same time, I'm covering the business because those are the needs I need to fill for the business role. But when you, when owners and business and managers spend their time learning the relationships And learning the needs of their people, their people will follow them, which gets us to the next one. Leaders need to lead their business as opposed to manage it. Systems, processes, and procedures should be managed, but people should be led. And when people feel like they're being led, they will willingly follow. When people feel like they're being managed, they tend to resist. Now I was talking to a lady one time about things that we do in our coaching business here and she said something to me and i it was, it was an amazing statement because i explained this from the leader's perspective she came back to me from the employee's perspective and she said so are you telling me that i tend to obey my managers and follow my leaders i said that's it that's exactly it when we're managed and i'm 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 making this i'm putting this in a simplistic term but you get the picture when we're managed we're told what to do when we're led, we are told what to do to match our job description, but we've also got a relationship to, to the degree that I as an employee am willing to roll up my sleeves and dig in if something goes wrong, willingly. You don't get that out of the managed people. And this, these two differences uh, continue forever at any level of business, whether you're the frontline person doing the job every day or you're a mid-level manager, or you're a C-suite person, these things always have to be there. And I think that um, one of the hardest jobs in a business, and this is where the growth of a business can stumble a bit. The frontline supervisor has one of the hardest jobs in a business. Because as the owner the business grows, the owner gets more withdrawn from the day-to-day business, which is understandable, middle management starts to creep in the direction of the business is going to come from the top the ceo the business owner uh you know they you know they come up with their with their objectives for the year it flows down through the organization as a number message and numbers are important because it obviously reflects the success or lack thereof but the frontline supervisor has to take that number message that came from the ceo through the c suite through the middle managers, down to that frontline supervisor, who now has to take the number message and turn it into an inspirational message to encourage the employees to do the work. And a frontline supervisor can do that is well on to great success, but there's too many of them that can't because they weren't trained for it. And that is one place, one of the places where scaling can start to stumble because those employees that were with the owner are now getting a number message that an untrained management person is throwing at the employee and says, we need to increase our revenue by 30%. We need to cut our costs by 20%. These messages are important.
0: Yeah. So what I took away from that was the idea of positive framing to your employees Yes. And I was really thinking about how you talk about all this change and all this uncertainty, but with the messaging that you're giving the employees, the sit-downs, the talks, the conversations, uh it's really about framing this change in a positive light as an opportunity to go do something that's more specialized, they might have wanted to do that, you know, the entire workplace based on whether or not the employees are feeling good about the change or bad about the change. So like I do warehousing, one of the biggest things we did a couple months ago was we decided that we wanted to focus more on larger importers than smaller, you know, Amazon eBay stores. So not that we, not that we don't sell to those anymore because you know, they're a key part of our business and we, we like those guys, but we started targeting a lot of larger pallet in, pallet out wholesalers that require less labor. Well, this, we could have done a better job of communicating to the employees. And they were like, well, why isn't, you know, new employees coming on? You know, why does it look like, you know, we're not winning as many deals as we used to be winning? What's going on in the business? And you could see a bit of an attitude change And the employees until they realize that hey the company just kind of pivoted who their ideal customer was and everything's gonna be okay and i i I see this as like a real life example of the whole scaling challenge of if we would have communicated to the employees sooner like hey we're just going for one or two bigger customers rather than you know 15 small ones the, the, the conversation might have gone better the employees might have had a better attitude and you know, we might have got more productivity for those you know two or three months during that transition uh,
1: that's that's correct. Everything you're saying is correct. the and the important thing here is that our communication with our employees gives them a picture of what's coming. So it is not a surprise. Now, I'm a firm proponent of sitting down with employees as a group uh, once once a month is my what I'd say average rule could obviously vary by the business. Once a month, sit down and talk about what the business is doing overall. So we're going in this direction. We're gonna try these new things. Do you guys have any uh, suggestions uh, for the business? And I always ask employees for suggestions because the the people that do the job on a day-to-day basis, they know the job better than we do sitting in an office. As much as we put the procedures together, They know whether they're working or not. The same thing applies to, uh, they also have really good ideas. And I did this here, we have an online legging store. And as the business started to grow and we had to make some changes, a number of the suggestions for changes came from the employees because of their alertness like you were talking about. So keeping the employees uh, involved in the development of the business overall I think is a strong point. Now, that does not mean that the business owner comes in and lays everything out in front of them just for the sake of laying it out there. You know, there are, you know, not everything is told to everybody, but for the most part, the things that tend to Im- impact employees and they're gonna that they're going to see, they know, if we know they're going to see something that could cause a question, then I think talking about it up front is a whole lot better than talking at it You know, after it's already occurred. And we'll keep employees pretty much in the game. There are certainly times when the um, employee levels can change. You know, those can have some uh, sometimes not so pleasant events going on. And uh, I think one of the things, I actually had this happening with one of my business clients where the owner needed to make a shift in the makeup of his business and the appearance. On the outside, could be that stuff was slowing down, when really what he was doing was transitioning. And um, you know, they he told them what he needed to tell them to get through the transition, so they'd be you know fired up for it when it took off again. Um, I, I just think the more that we can tell people, the better off we are to try to eliminate uh, some of the surprises.
0: Yeah, it really comes down to the transparency and messaging. Yeah making yeah. sure that everybody is plugged in. Yep. So Steve, the, the last thing I had for you is I want to know, what are you up to now? How can people find you? And, uh, you know, what are you moving on to next?
1: Uh, one of the things that we're doing right now, because since I came up through corporate America and I've been in the entrepreneurial space uh, for a few years, uh, we are I am teaming up with another person. And we are creating... Um, a business venture to go back into corporate America. Now, there's a lot of stuff behind this. I'm just giving you at the top level because I mentioned before the 85% number. 85. This is a number that's been flat for 32 years that 85% of people are not fully engaged in a work. And when I was in corporate America, I didn't experience that at all. And neither did the person that I'm teaming up with. And we are... Um, going out to go back to corporate America to retrain uh, people that want to be retrained. We've a, a lot of things have happened as a result of the pan, plan, pandemic 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 area era. And um, there's a lot of new questions out there and leaders and leaders that are interested in doing the right thing for the future will be open to the things that we are going to come out with and the messages that we're giving. But the bottom line message is, we don't need quite as uh, robust an approach with small business because they're smaller, you know, it's a fewer number of people. When you get into corporations, you're talking, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, and we are really going out there to change the resignation rate because organizations spend thousands and millions of dollars replacing employees they should have never lost in the first place. which is a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. but that's what we're doing that on the corporate side. We do the same thing on the small business side. so anybody that would like to get a hold of us to uh, talk about their situation uh, they can find us on our website, which is uh, www.flow and then a hyphen business hyphen solution singular. Dot com And uh, my uh, email idea, ID is steve at flow-business-solution.com. And then our phone number at our business, I can give you that. It's a 267-753-5568. That's so 267-753-5568. And anybody that goes to our website will see that there is a link at the top of the page that is a free video introducing the audio training series that we have that talks about um, leading people in numerous different management scenarios. So they're they're, they're very educational um, audios. I'm also on LinkedIn. LinkedIn at uh, SW Turner is my extension. There's a number of Steve Turners out there. (laughs) That's me, S.W. Turner.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Uh, It's really insightful having you on to talk about scaling. It's a topic that we don't discuss enough in the business world. And it's really important. Like I said, if you're any kind of business in any kind of industry, trying to grow. So thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of Disruptive Minds. Make sure you catch every episode. We're twice a week. Thank you and have a great day.
1: Thanks a lot, Bill. Appreciate it.